Hey everyone, Henry here. In this episode, we have Super Axel Decker, the CEO and founder of uh, Packaly. Yes. And uh, Packaly does on-demand, last-mile urban delivery uh, of your goods under 60 minutes. Yes. Yes. Nice. Same evening tomorrow Same. if you uh, want to wait a day. Yeah. And Whenever you want it, actually. That's pretty cool. So if I want my Lego, I can get it the same day and yeah. it's all yeah. CO2 neutral. Yes, if Lego uh, starts partnering up with us, then uh, yes, we can that get that to you in an hour. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you work with a lot of local businesses as well, yeah? yeah. But also yeah. like Bainkorf and all these big ones. Bainkorf, Lush, uh, Decathlon, uh, quite some big retailers, but also very small Papa Mama stores uh, mm -hmm. that also onboard on the platform. And it's done also like providing jobs to the people in the cities. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really nice. Yeah, for the riders, it's not really a difference. It's a different pickup location. But uh, we see that with bigger retailers, there's a higher volume. So it's e easier and better for us to onboard them and get the machine running, so to say. Mm -hmm. yeah. oh, and it's really nice in comparison also to the like 10 minute deliveries. You don't need to like really push the people to. No, yeah, no, I, I ordered a couple of times with a 10 minutes uh, delivery and some people were like really uh, putting it to the edge to, to reach me on time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is quite an unsafe uh, situation. No, definitely. And, but you do everything nice and clean. And yeah. you are currently in 125 cities? Yeah, delivering in 125 cities. Delivering in 125 yeah. cities. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's Netherlands? Belgium. And we're exploring Germany slowly. That's nice. Just uh, seeing how that goes and what we need to learn, what we need to improve. And Germany is a different market than, uh, than the Netherlands. How many people uh, at the moment? How many people uh, delivering? It goes quite fast. I think that uh, if you check our LinkedIn, it says 33. There's also a couple riders uh, that put it on the LinkedIn page. But I think that mm -hmm. we have like 22 people now in the core team mm -hmm. and hiring uh, six or seven people now. Opening jobs uh, quite soon again. Yeah, we just raised uh, two months ago a new round. So we, we had some we have some uh, cash on the bank to uh, to move again. You have, I think, around 3,500 drivers yeah. at the moment? Yeah, yeah. not okay. all active constantly uh, driving on the platform, but uh, um, in 125 cities, I think that we have around 400 to 500 active riders constantly. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the 3,500 can just log on whenever they want and start driving. Really cool. Yeah. So basically they're their own bosses in a way. Yeah. Let's go back in the past. So do you have any degrees then? Yeah, yeah, I did the IT study in the Netherlands, mm -hmm. uh, an MBO study. And after that, I went to the Johan Cruijff uh, University mm -hmm. uh, for marketing. But I also didn't finish that one because I didn't really like uh, yeah, the school itself. And I was already full focused on my own businesses and uh, trying to build um, Packly or build a fixed gear shop, which was one of the original companies that I uh, started with. Mm -hmm. um, and I just noticed that study Building a business was quite difficult to combine uh, and then at some point just switched and started focusing only on uh, building businesses. Because mm -hmm. uh, building businesses in IT, is it something you fell in love with or something that you already kind of were brought up with? No, I, so uh, the IT study that I did, uh, did I, that I did finish, uh, um, I got uh, familiar with HTML, CSS, a bit of JavaScript and I thought it, just, it was fascinating to build your own stuff like on a computer and make something work on a website and just started to build websites uh, mm -hmm. for friends and family and, and people I knew. And at some point I started realizing hey, I can actually earn some money by just making simple websites for businesses. So uh, for instance, for my dad's insurance company, I made a new website uh, that he's still using actually. I told him to update it because it's 10 years ago. but. Um, at some point you just start learning it and then I've really fell in love with the passion of tech and what you can do with it. I really mm -hmm. like it. 
my history is really in bike uh, bike riding. So mm -hmm. I was uh, a cyclist for I think 12 years or something. Also one of my co-founders I know from bike uh, uh, bike riding, um, and that was just the main thing I was doing. So it was just biking, 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 and at some point it switched switched to building businesses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because uh, after the study you were already you you went interning at the Bold.com. Yeah. But on the site you're already doing. Your, yeah, your so website, I had a yeah. company called Cycling Shop uh, at that point, and it was a very small e-commerce store for bike components. So it's quite uh, relatable with uh, what you guys are doing, of mm -hmm. course. Um, and then I saw the scale of what Bulbitcom was doing, and that really, yeah, maybe that inspired me a little bit to really push something and try to make something big. Um, but then you also see the comparison to a very skilled, uh, uh, yeah, fast-growing company compared to a startup. It's, it's really hard uh, to get at that level but it really inspired me to see how Bulb.com went from I think I was like number 250 of the uh, uh, employees that did an internship and they were hiring so fast they were growing so fast and it was really cool to see that and see how that was going and that really inspired me to just keep going on my own stuff uh, and then I just did that e-commerce store for a while then I worked at a company called Notificare uh, doing mobile marketing and yeah that also really fascinated me on what technology can actually do mm -hmm. uh, yeah and then just really st took steps on, on building businesses and keep going on that during those days in that company you started with a digital agency yeah yeah as well yeah I had actually quite some uh, some uh, businesses if you think about yeah, it like true. this uh, yeah, so at some point I ran into, uh, um, I think, the roommate of a friend of mine that I know from back in the days, and he said, I have an agency, I had my e-commerce store, and we said, you know what, let's combine, uh, we work on both ideas at the same time, and we'll, let's work together. Um, and then together with another friend, we, we started building the agency, but at some point realized my passion was really with bikes, their passion was more with uh, the agency part, so we split up, and I focused more on the bike uh, part. Um, but. I think that what I like more is building one thing and doing that really well instead of having several clients where you have to build something for and then a new thing and then a new thing, which is more the agency work. So then you split up with your friends. Yeah, that point. yeah, yeah. Which in the beginning, of course, was a little bit uh, hard because we were focused on building something and at some point we, we started realizing we have different things that we wanted to uh, accomplish. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes it's also just good. If it doesn't work, take the next step, do something else. Uh, and just take a, yeah, take a rain check, so to say, to just do something else. But then you've been working on this yeah, website selling the, the, the bike equipment and all that stuff, yeah, bike parts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started that uh, and we were working at the, the same, like both of those things at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I think, and that's also why I think Musk is quite a fascinating guy, doing two things on that scale at the same time, it, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. I think he does three or four, he has three or four businesses now. Sure. The Neuralink thing is also a little bit of a forgotten uh, business that he has. Uh, that's it's difficult. Keep your focus on on one thing or doing two things or three things. It's really difficult. But then at some point, the Packley has started. Uh, yeah, I, I've seen the blog post. It's really cool when you on the whiteboard. You were just coming up with different ideas. Yeah, yeah. We uh, that's also uh, what we just talked about. Like uh, we had an anti-crack uh, space for my bike store. Uh, we had uh, bike couriers uh, coming, hanging out on our couches, uh, drinking beers, partying, and uh, we were also in a place where there were student housing above our building. So if there wasn't a party at our office, there was a party in the student house uh, above. Um, and we were just one night just hanging out, and these guys did deliveroo uh, a lot. 
and they at some point said like yeah we can also do this for parcels and then we just grabbed the whiteboard started writing and making some uh, some sketches and yeah just one thing came from another i think i started investing a little bit more time into packly at some point realized okay i shouldn't just do only packly because i have another business with people working there as well um so after I think six months of building Packly, I sold uh, the bike shop to one of our suppliers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's still running. I think they opened the store in Barcelona. I wow. got some pictures from like nice, our logo on the wall. And yeah, I think it's going quite well. Still the same logo, they kept yeah. everything. Wow. Yeah, yeah, so cool. yeah. Which was great because I also didn't want to like uh, pull the plug uh, mm-hmm. because we put quite some effort into getting a market position and that was going quite well. Um, but yeah, the, the, the actual selling bicycle parts business is, is quite a tough uh, um, game. There's a lot of competitors, there's a lot of uh, low margins uh, products. Uh, and, and I don't know, at some point I just saw Peckley as a better option for, uh, for, for building, <laughs> which was also a lot of fun. I guess that, that was like also the initial investment in the Peckley. So yeah, yeah, so, yeah, the team, uh, um, so the original founding team was Niels, Adric and, and me and uh, we, I remember we got a way too expensive office, mm-hmm. very small but way too expensive uh, and um, we just started putting our own money in um, and then at some point at, uh, I think a year in, we started building, at some point the other guys quit their jobs as well, we all started focusing on, on Packly. Uh, I had some money from the from selling the other company that I could invest and also uh, keep my personal life uh, in balance and pay my rent, so to say. Um, and then at some point we found our first seed investor, a pre-seed investor uh, at the uh, TNW, uh, the event, mm. uh, just over uh, uh, beers at the terrace. And they said, hey, we really like the idea, let's, uh, let's, let's go. Um, and then we got 150K uh, seed, uh, pre-seed investment and we could do something. And at how many months in, in the pack you were already at that point? Well, I think that if I really look at when the idea was, uh, um, the idea came until funding, it was uh, seven months, eight months, something like that. Maybe a little bit longer even. I don't know exactly. Okay. So at that point, did you already have some like prototypes going on? Like yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we were already bu- uh, building. We were not live at that point yet. <laughs> and I think we launched a couple of weeks after we got funded. And it was the last thing we actually really needed to just yeah, be secure towards. We, we signed Decathlon as our pilot uh, client. And yeah, we signed that with actually having a yeah, not a great product and, and just uh, an idea that, that a parcel could be picked up in an hour and could be delivered by uh, a group of riders we had in Utrecht. But we had no budgets, uh, huge marketing budgets to really push uh, fast after that. And that's uh, something that also the investors that came in uh, really had knowledge about and really helped us like, go from zero to 0.1 to take the next step. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, that was the best time uh, of the company, I think, mm-hmm. from and my experience. And how was it getting this first big client, Decathlon, but also getting the first r- riders for you as well? Because maybe in the beginning, you, I guess you did the driving, but then... Yes. I still do the driving. You still do the yeah, driving. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really important yeah. to just keep doing also what you uh, what you're building to mm-hmm. keep understanding what does the product do, how do we evolve, how do we grow. So I I don't drive that much anymore because back in the day I drove every day and when something couldn't be delivered we just went there and just like uh, we we made it work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also knew somebody at Deklom, mm-hmm. a friend of mine was working there. Um, 
we called I, re I still remember I wanted to send him an email saying like hey we're building this thing do you want to try it out and I think he called me a couple hours before I wanted to press send saying like hey I saw on your LinkedIn you're building this thing and I think we are interested uh, let's hang out and, and see what we can do <laughs> and then yeah that's the great thing about that company I think they give opportunity to businesses that are not there yet but they understand the risks and they want to uh, move fast and yeah then I think four months later or something we did the first shipment um, and that was great that was that was uh, yeah really a eureka moment like wow we really actually did a shipment for a big retailer and now uh, the, the retail space is ours and then you start, you start going into actually scaling a business and it's it's tough yeah because how was it getting the first drivers so we had a first backpack and on the backpack it said tap me on the shoulder if you want to work with me uh, or want to be my colleague, or want to be my friend. But the whole thing just said really big, tap me on the shoulder. And that actually worked. Like a driver was standing there, another driver tapped on the shoulder saying like, hey, what are you driving for? And the good thing, what really made us uh, um, like fast growing in, in Utrecht was the word of mouth. Mm -hmm. uh, riders talk to each other. These guys are hanging out on the streets. When they're having a break, uh, they, they find each other somewhere. They have spots in the cities where they just know if I'm there, another person comes there as well. And that starts spreading like a wildfire. Uh, and the best thing with Decathlon was you order something, um, it gets picked and packed in the store, it gets at the front desk and you go there, it's ready. And the big thing with restaurants is you go there, it might be ready. Or the pizza's not done yet and you have to wait. Uh, and we work with freelancers, so if you wait, it's going to be your own money you're waiting for, so to say, and it's going to take from your earnings. And that spread it, that, that made our whole thing uh, go quite fast. Do your drivers also have kind of different benefits then in comparison to the food delivery? Or gorillas um, or yeah, we, so what we're doing right now is we're working on, on, on building a whole program where uh, like uh, sick leave and like that kind of stuff is also all included for freelance drivers. And, and this is a really hot topic, of course, with governments, like how are they going to treat uh, uh, these sets of payers? How does this work? Uh, we from day one really said, okay, it doesn't really matter what it costs. We need to make sure that the driver has what it needs to do his job well. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't want to make the driver a number. So for instance, we have chat support and within two minutes we, we directly reply to riders. Um, for a really long time, we didn't have any bot entry or something. You just, you started the chat, you hit me or Justin or Adric uh, or Niels uh, that was also doing tech support. And we were just there replying to your message as soon as possible. Uh, and when you start building the skill into the business, you could really see that these drivers were, were waiting longer and that kind of stuff. But we always, with every client that we have, we say our focus is making sure that the rider earns enough money, that it's beneficial for them to, uh, to drive uh, and for you to reach your customer as fast as possible. And that balance is yeah, that's tough to find. And also what I like about your philosophy is that you always open to collaborate with different yeah. things, like uh, Bringley, for example, yeah. like other, other parties. Uh, yeah, yeah. so uh, me and Rajiv, uh, he's the founder of, uh, of uh, Bringley. Um, in the beginning, we didn't really talk that much and we saw a little bit like, okay, maybe we were competitors, maybe that's not so good. But at some point, uh, we started chatting more often and, and yeah, when we have something, we, we we're open to that. Uh, when they have something, we're open to that. And also, there's another competitor in the market we sp spe speak to quite often. Um, and we're also always quite open in sharing. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we are not that close. We're very transparent in, in what we're trying to do. And I think that it's really important important these days to, to be transparent. And I guess this is something yeah in your company culture, but I guess it's something that probably comes from you as well as a founder. 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it is important to when there's an issue or when there's something not going as it should and you should say something about it, that you just be transparent and tell. Mm -hmm. It's very important. And how is it for the rest of the company culture? Because yeah, now at the moment after the COVID, you don't have an office, no. physical space. Yeah. So no, the invite said James Watzgaard, and I saw yeah. that yesterday. I was like, wait, we don't have that space anymore. <laughs> I should tell those guys. Okay. Yeah. No, we uh, we left the office space four months ago, five mm -hmm. months ago, um, because everybody was working from home, um, and it was a burn also on uh, on just the cash that we uh, that we had, and not everybody was going there that often. And we now have like a, a hands-on uh, meeting every Tuesday morning. We have Friday drinks, digital, uh, and we try to do every morning a stand-up. We hang out, and we have this donut thing in Slack that just keeps inviting random people to each other, and like. We really invest our time in it and we also say if you have a meeting uh, um, that's good but try to also meet up with your colleagues as much as possible uh, and for instance i uh, together with two other guys i'm in the sales team um, and we just randomly go to places and we just work there and that works quite well delivery drivers how are they involved within the culture as well of faculty being like part of this big family yeah so um when we still had an office and also especially when we had an anti-crack office we mm -hmm. had it open for whoever wants to come by uh, whenever they want to come by uh, and when we started growing more and more we started noticing that that might not be the best option because you get distracted really fast and people are just hanging out uh, all the time and then you can't just do your work um, but we have a yeah, a bit of a, it's not really like a cultural thing that we've written down, but there's more like a thing that is just so-so. Um, when we do something, a writer can also do that. If we have an open position and a writer applies for it, we will always take that in consideration first and, and look at what the writer can do to get to our HQ, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, and that works very well. Um, so they're not really our employees, they're not really on our payroll, but I see them as part of the team. And that's that's something that really works. How is it looking or gonna look with the international expansion as well? Yeah, that's quite uh, an interesting one that I'm also trying to fill in as much as possible. Um, now our culture is really, you just take our app, you log in, you go into the city and you start driving. But we already can see also in our data that um, um, people maybe cross at certain points. Uh, um, uh, people may, might be hanging out together. We can already see that uh, for instance, there's patterns in how people are taking what parcels at what time, uh, what pickup times are they having at the same stores, and they started to see each other uh, at more uh, of these uh, uh, places. Mm -hmm. um, so we, all, we were, at some point, we had the idea of making hubs in every city that we are, but it's also a very expensive, uh, different kind of fundraising uh, strategy. Uh, but we started noticing that we don't really need that. Uh, so, for instance, um, um, we have some stores where riders come and they just hang out there for a while. Uh, and they are making friends with uh, with these stores and then they go, uh, for instance, Lush is a very good example. Uh, in 2020, when the COVID uh, um, crisis was at its, at its peak in December, uh, they were doing a lot of shipments and they were just like... Uh, super open to everybody. They were letting our riders in when it was cold. They got tea, they got coffee, and you started seeing this vibe going around. People really enjoyed what we were doing. The stores were happy about our delivery service, and that really started boosting uh, our ways of working uh, together. Um, but yeah, I still think that it's good that at some point, for instance, we throw a party for all the riders, uh, and we just go to a location, and we, we, we start really investing more in that, and I think we're not doing enough of that. Um, but it's also quite a big group now. Mm -hmm.
yeah, if we want to invite all the riders that signed up, I think that we have more than 10,000 signups on the platform uh, uh, or unfinished signups. And if we invite all of them, you have to post quite a big party. It's a festival at that point, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. How did you meet with the other co-founders and like, what's your, what's your relationship at the moment? And then yeah, so... Um, how does it work? Um, so uh, Niels is one of the old uh, co-founders. He's out of the business, I think, a year ago. Um, and I met him through a friend. And we just at some point uh, at night at my old company said, hey, we're going to hack this thing together. We're going to do a hackathon and see how fast we can go. And he said, I'm in. And after that, I think he stuck around and started building the platform. Uh, Adric, I know from cycling. So when I was a kid, started cycling. He was there as well. And at some point I called him saying like, hey, um, I'm doing this idea. What do you think? And he, we were biking together. Uh, he was in the bike team of my e-commerce store. Um, and he was he was hooked and so i had two guys at that point uh, and then justin is the is a little bit of the late founder he came in after a couple months we were already registered and stuff um he's a growth hacker he's our head of growth uh, and product and i st started to convince him over coffees <laughs> i knew that he was a good growth hacker he was a bit known for being uh, quite a, a hands-on guy so we started hitting off uh, with coffees at some point. I told them like, hey, where are you working now? What are you getting there? Like, don't you want to work for us? Get shares and, and be involved. And just slowly, slowly over coffee started to get him in. And yeah, now he's hooked as well. And uh, that's a bit how we found each other, I think. Yeah. Now we have a really good team. I'm really happy with these guys. Yeah. So you uh, basically filling each other's kind of gaps as well. At the moment. Yeah. So. Um, uh, Niels was uh, our technical guy and he is a little bit, uh, well, he's missed in, in the sense that we, we have a good tech team now. We have very good developers, so that's, uh, that's a very a big advantage. Uh, and Adric is more of our financial and operations guy. And uh, Justin is more a hacker, like uh, the growth hacker, marketing guy that, uh, that has ideas and then just pumps out some integrations on and, and puts something together and says, look, it works and let's go and then next. Um, and I'm more of the uh, investor relations. Uh, yeah, I like Notion, uh, that kind of stuff, making documentation and, and protocols and that kind of stuff. And that's a nice uh, yeah. flow to the, your recent investment uh, that was announced in March. Yeah. Two, two, two and a half million yeah. from the fair tree. That's yeah, yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm super happy about that. Yeah. How, how did that go? And uh, yeah, where are you going to spend the money? Um, well, that was quite right, I have to say. Um, so we go from uh, our pre, uh, pre seed investment um, um, where you have some documentation you have to fill in and then you go to uh, your seed investment you have to do a little bit more documentation and I found Fairtree already asking quite some uh, heavy questions so to say um, but it also connected from the first meeting quite well um, they knew what we were doing uh, they also invest in the in Cargaroo uh, 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 the company um, and yeah, then things just started happening quite fast, I think. Uh, we came to quite some good terms uh, um, fast, moved fast, and, and yeah, they really support what we're trying to do. They see what we're trying to achieve in the coming years, so to say. <laughs> and did you connect to them on LinkedIn or like yeah. another beer event? I saw that they invested in Cargaroo and I thought, hey, let's reach out to these guys and uh, uh, met up with, uh, with one of their managing uh, directors of the fund <laughs> and started hitting it off quite, uh, quite good. Yeah, and I guess during that period, you were just shooting different investors as well in the meantime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we also had quite some interest from other investors towards us, uh, and I think that we had like 
six or seven conversations going whilst also talking to them uh, and at some point we took the decision to go with them because we really like their philosophy and, and their support they're very hands-on but also know when to really uh, you take a step back and let the uh, let the founders do their uh, their ideation and yeah that really works it just yeah i'm, I'm actually really happy about uh, the investors that we have yeah. yeah i can imagine plus the amount is for the dutch i think investment market is a pretty good as well yeah yeah i think so as well yeah 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 super happy about it yeah and i guess what, what will this investment support now as well international expansion but also uh, our focus right now is a little bit more on the netherlands to uh, to just get sales in and get more clients onboarded and and skill uh, in volume and and, and find uh, find the market so to say uh, but we are also uh, experimenting with um where are we going to go which countries are we going to go uh, what is the right steps forward and 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 now really uh, we found some mechanisms that work for us investing more budget into it uh, making a good sales strategy out of that and, and really yeah scale up uh, and then at some point also start looking into uh, uh, maybe a new round uh, to even go faster and, and now it's really time to to get yeah, to go from startup to scale up when do you see then the packly in 10 years every company that has retail stores is shipping from their stores because i think that for sustainability it is uh, perfect and I don't really understand how a parcel can go from a warehouse towards a distribution center towards a city when the product might already be in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that that's going to uh, yeah, drastically change, uh, also due to regulations, but also due to people realizing we need to start doing something to make the, the world more sustainable. Um, and I hope that we're going to be, well, I think that we're going to be market leader in, in Europe on, on uh, as many countries as possible. Uh, but our core focus now is really on getting the Netherlands, getting that market and, and, and grow fast. I guess you're then competing with the, the lockers, the delivery lockers. That yeah. Point, yeah. Um, yeah, that is something that I also always found very fascinating, the lockers. I think that PostNL tried it years ago and they created these lockers and nobody really f- understood why, what was PostNL doing with these lockers. You know, it was a bit weird. What are these lockers doing in, in these cities? Um, and now you see that it's everywhere. Uh, and I actually, um, um, uh, a year or two ago, I saw a video on like how that's done in China and there's just walls of lockers, only lockers. And I think that that is also the future. And I, w- I would love to connect with these locker companies to see if our couriers can pick something up from the locker and then bring it away or bring it to a locker and then uh, uh, somebody else takes it, takes all the lockers and brings it away. Uh, and I think that also for us, the future is also in returns. Uh, picking something up at somebody's front door, bringing it back. Uh, we, for instance, work with Samsung uh, and we do a repair service where we pick up a broken phone, we bring it to the service center and we bring it back to the customer the same day. Um, and I think that that's the future of how we need to look at, at uh, smart logistics. So you, you don't see it as a competition, but more kind of... Yeah, I'd love to collaborate yeah, with, yeah, uh, okay. with all these local companies as much as possible, because I think you have to build a very strong network to, to make it sustainable. And if everybody's going to have their own logistical stream, yeah, you're going to have 12 Packly riders of different brands driving behind each other, doing the same thing, going the same direction. That's what you see also now with all the uh, all the 10-minute um, grocery companies. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. And consolidation in the market is quite important, I think, to really make it sustainable. True. And it's going back to your uh, culture about collaborating with everyone, yeah. basically, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, that really changed. Uh, in the beginning, we had a bit of the mindset of doing as much as possible ourselves and, and trying to do it ourselves and not really collaborating that much. But collaboration makes you also think in a different way. 
and see that other people might be doing something that you haven't thought of yet uh, a lot better and you can learn from that and teach each other how to uh, take a market because yeah logistics market is not a tiny market it's a huge market where there's enough opportunity for a lot of people to survive and, and, and do their stuff and then moving on to you as a entrepreneur of course you do packily 25 hours eight days a week yeah. but how do you still manage the rest of your life uh, no i try to balance that more and more i have to say like uh, the last two years uh, um, i've spent a lot more time on my company than on uh, my girlfriend and uh, our bunny for mm -hmm. instance so i live in utrecht together with my girlfriend and our uh, and our bunny and i'm Yeah, I have to say it's hard. It's really difficult to balance. Uh, you you know exactly how it is when you uh, are working on something. You say I'm going to take some time off. Somebody calls you and you're like, okay, sure, I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll get that done. You know, like, uh, and um, I actually uh, was in, at an event today and I was talking to my old boss who was there and he does only uh, Monday to Friday and if he works in the weekend he does something that he's passionate about, what he's thinking is fun or contributes to something new. Um, and I'm also trying to go more and more towards working during the week and taking more rest and um, it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. I'm having a very hard time with that. <laughs> yeah. is, is your girlfriend helping out with that as well? Oh uh, yeah, she's, uh, uh, she's very good at telling me sometimes to just five o'clock and then uh, uh, let's have dinner and then do something else or go to a movie or, or yeah, just really zoning out and I also I, I want to zone out as much as possible uh, after work, but I, I'm, I'm just very bad at it. <laughs> You're just so easy to grab your phone and read your email. Yeah. And then wh what kind of hobby you, you planning to pick up? Is, is it going to be another business? <laughs> Or? Mm, well, I have to say a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking about something like an idea that I had and like started designing it a little bit. And then at some point I, st I stopped everything, closed it and thought, no, I have something else to do. I need to focus on the other business. Um, but um, I bike uh, mm -hmm. quite often, so go for bike rides, uh, go for running and try to work out more and more and more. Uh, and I think that that also um, helps me focus and helps me really focus on, on you know, getting the job done. Uh, in terms of hobbies, I, I think a year ago I started doing like the um, building a model airplanes, like those kind of small things, bought a box and when I had it done, I was like, yeah, this is not it. Uh, then started read more and yeah, I tried to read as much as possible, but designing is also something I really like. Um, yeah, just do some yeah some random stuff and, and uh, a, a book that you would most like to give to somebody. Uh, so currently, I'm reading The Great CEO Within, which I find is a great book to just have like very hands-on material of how to uh, run your business or how to run your life as a CEO. Um, I read the book from Hives uh, um, recently as well, and that would be something that I would give to somebody else. Mm -hmm. It's just an amazing story how Hives uh, uh, was built and how they were one of the first startups, scale-ups, got funded and that kind of stuff. Like, quite intriguing story. Mm -hmm. And do you have a quote that you live, live your life by? I like the Casey Neistat videos. Mm -hmm. uh, I find that the fascinating guy, so I, I like the do more quote that he always, uh, that he has on his arm, I think. Mm -hmm. just do more work hard and but also have, have, have fun what kind of advice you, you can give to like maybe young aspiring entrepreneurs uh, be patient I think mm -hmm. um, work very hard towards a goal but but also focus on on really reaching that goal but it's gonna take time um, we started off thinking that when you start a company and you have an idea and something comes on your path you should explore that um, 
Now within our company we work with OKRs. Uh, we set two to maximum three OKRs per department per quarter. Um, and we started with doing six, seven OKRs and that doesn't work because you have too much stuff on your plate and there's so much things going on. Going on. Uh, and I think that focus is key. If you see something is working and you want to go from A to B by selling a pineapple, first try to make sure that you sell the pineapple and then do it times 10, times 100, times 1000 before you start focusing on something completely different. How does the fundraising process usually go then? For people who like um, never done it before, yeah. So there's there. Uh, I have to say there's a lot of different stages uh, uh, at what kind of level you are at. So for instance, with pre-seed, uh, um, for us it was completely new, and uh, we got our first. And uh, we started reaching out to all the investors in the world that you could imagine, and uh, we started spamming them like crazy and sending like articles saying like, look, we are in this article and. Uh, uh, look what we're doing, we're building a most innovative, most in insane uh, uh, freelance delivery platform available. Um, and then you start realizing you have to have your metrics right, you have to know where you're going in the next 6 to 12 months and you also have to look what investor are you looking at, uh, ask them a bunch of stuff as well. Um, uh, and one thing that I learned for instance is see in what year is the fund. So if you have for instance a 10 year fund and you're going to raise from somebody that is in his 8th year of the fund being active, um, chances are that they run out of quite some cash on the fund already. Um, so getting earlier in that stage, getting earlier in the, in the front line of that fund makes you also be able to in a year from now say hey we need more money for instance. Um, but yeah, getting your metrics right is just really important and just start spamming these investors and at some point it will turn around when they noticed you and then they'll start asking you like, hey, we would love to have a chat and that's what's happening with us now. It's changing, it's turning around and yeah, that's just a different different approach. That They're, they're looking for 90% of your team. Who do you have in house? How do you guys uh, uh, collaborate with each other? So I heard some other investor that was doing like dinner at uh, a co-founder's house to see how they were at home, uh, and to see how do they behave with other founders in the team, and yeah, that is something that they're just looking at as, as much as possible. And that's also one of the only foundations you have when you just get started, right? You you have your team, you have this great vibe and this idea that you're believing in, and then they just want to see. Can you do it? Uh, what experience do you have? And, and do we believe that this person can actually make this into a success? Yeah. Um, when you get bigger, when you start doing turnover, they're going to look at the history and then going to say, mm, did it look good? Did it not look good? And yeah, it's a whole different game. Yeah. Yeah. But also there, you're just being transparent as well with everything. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we also ask help from our current investors for new rounds and that kind of stuff. We ask them and we say like, hey, please help us to make the right pitch deck, to make the right metrics, to make everything that you find is not going well. Please put it on paper and tell us very uh, straightforward because then we can work on that and improve that. Mm -hmm. For instance, um, our metrics for a long time were just not good. Uh, not in the sense that our metrics were down and our, our volume and everything was not good, but how we were viewing it was just not good. You couldn't really have like a good performance dashboard where you could see everything that was going around and that was something we needed to fix uh, after the first round as soon as possible. Um, and if you're not transparent about that, then you also cannot ask from the help from the people that put money into you uh, to grow. More episodes are on the channel. Don't forget to like, subscribe and share. And as always, Tenry out.